Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening at this time every week. Uh, of course, Bible Crossfire is where we allow you to call in with your questions, comments, or even if you find something that we're teaching doesn't match up with the Bible, let us know. If you're right, we're going to change because we want to be exactly teaching exactly what the Bible says. Two plus two cannot equal four and five at the same time. If two different preachers, two different churches are saying different things, they both can't be right. My friend Tommy Thrasher is on the program with me this evening. I thought we would talk a little bit about Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 to start with, which reads this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Tommy, are you with us okay? Yes, glad to be with you tonight. I thought I'd ask you a few questions about this as we've agreed upon ahead of time. And the first question is about Ephesians 1.3 and, and things related to that verse. Is this had talked about blessings in this passage does God provide any blessings, Tommy, to people of the world, for example, non-Christians? Uh, yes, that's an important point, I think, uh, as we get into the discussion of Ephesians 1-3. Uh, other passages, uh, like, for instance, in Matthew chapter 5, in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, as it's commonly called, uh, the Lord makes reference in verse uh, 45 to the fact that uh, the Father makes His Son, S-U-N, to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. That mentions two things, sunshine and rain, but the same principle would apply to many other things that are physical uh, and material in nature, uh, that uh, God gives blessings to everybody the air that we breathe, the sunshine that benefits everybody, the rain, uh, are blessings, but they are not spiritual blessings. They are physical and related to material blessings. But God gives such things, as mentioned there in Matthew 5, uh, 45, to all people uh, that should, should cause all people to appreciate the fact that God does give us things that are necessary to life, and uh, should cause us to seek those blessings that are referred to in Ephesians 1-3, uh, the spiritual blessings. I agree with you, Tommy. In answering that question, you made a contrast or a distinction in physical blessings and spiritual blessings. Now, let's just narrow it down to spiritual blessings, which is actually what we see uh, mentioned in Ephesians 1-3. Does God provide spiritual blessings to those who are outside of Christ? Okay, they, I could give an opinion, other people could give an opinion, but I know your approach and the approach that I want to take in our study uh, tonight is to see what the Bible says, because that's what really determines truth and what we ought to follow. Uh, you read Ephesians 1, verse 3. I have it before me here, and I'll read it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So that verse makes it clear that all spiritual blessings, or some versions uh, render it every spiritual blessing, same idea, but they are in Christ. 
one must be in Christ to have then access to these spiritual blessings. We have the physical, material blessings, even if we're not in Christ. An atheist receive benefit from sunshine and rain, for example, is able to breathe the air that God has provided. But when it comes to spiritual blessings, then those are all uh, in Christ. And that is, I think, a vital point for us to understand. Uh, We must distinguish between spiritual blessings, which are all in Christ, and physical and material blessings, which are available just by living in this world. But those blessings also uh, come from God, and we ought to be appreciative for them as well. You know, Tommy, I think the next question I'd like to ask you, you've already answered really, I think. Where are all spiritual blessings? You're saying Ephesians 1, 3, we're making a distinction in physical blessings and spiritual blessings, and spiritual blessings, uh, the only ones that get those are in Christ. Where are all spiritual blessings found? Okay. Uh, All spiritual blessings, according to this verse, are in Christ. In other words, we must be in Christ, not outside of Christ, in order to have access to and to benefit by receiving these spiritual blessings. Um, Some people have different ideas about that, perhaps, but the Bible settles it. All spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are in Christ. So we must be in Christ in order to receive any of those spiritual blessings, even one of them, we must be in Christ. Tommy, I like your approach. It's the right approach. You're letting the Bible give the answer to these questions. We run into so many preachers that want to give their own human opinion uh, what they think or what they would like the answer to be, but you're letting the Bible answer my questions. And by the way, audience, if you have a Bible question for Tommy or myself, it doesn't have to be on this particular topic we're, we're, we would try to go uh, answer any Bible question. Give us a call at 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, 877-655-6755. Perhaps you have a question for Tommy in particular. Now, Tommy, you're talking about these spiritual blessings that are in Christ. Give us some examples of what kind of spiritual blessings you're talking about. Uh, um Spiritual blessings would include such things as forgiveness of sins. Uh, We only have access to the means of forgiveness in Christ. Uh, That would be equivalent to talking about salvation. When I say salvation, I'm referring to having the forgiveness of sins, which is offered uh, from God by grace, of course, but through Jesus Christ and through Christ alone. Uh, So that would be uh, central to the idea of spiritual blessings, that we can have our sins forgiven, and thus we can be delivered from them, and that's what being saved is. Or the the opportunity as the child of God to pray so that God will hear our prayers and respond on the basis that we are his children. Uh, The point may come up a little bit later about a passage or two that refers to children of God. Uh, being a child of God is certainly a spiritual blessing, for there are many people who are not children of God. They are not in Christ. And uh, so that I would consider that a spiritual blessing. 
the opportunity to worship God in an acceptable way is a spiritual blessing. That is, we can sing and pray as God has directed. We can um, commemorate the Lord's death when we meet with other Christians on the first day of the week. We can have the Lord's Supper, remembering the body and blood of Jesus. There are spiritual blessings associated with that. So when I say spiritual blessings, I'm talking about things that are of that uh, nature, not physical blessings necessarily. As we've already seen, one may receive uh, physical blessings or material blessings, sunshine, rain, things like that. One doesn't necessarily have to be in Christ to receive such blessings as that. But to receive those blessings that are spiritual, such as the opportunity to be saved, to have sins forgiven, to be able to worship God acceptably, um, those things are associated with our being in Christ. And that's what I mean basically by spiritual blessings. Piper, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Good evening, Patrick. Good evening to your uh, visitor as well. Patrick, in Hebrews 10:12, it says that Christ made one sacrifice for sin forever. Doesn't that imply that if you trust in Christ as your Savior, and, you know, once you do that, he, you accept his payments for sins. If his payment for sin is once forever. Does that, doesn't that mean that every sin you ever commit in your life is already paid for? I'll just listen. Tommy, did you hear the question? Yes, I did. Perhaps you'd like to address that. All right, um, be glad to. Uh, Jesus died only one time. The contrast in the book of Hebrews so often is between things associated with the Old Testament, that system, sometimes called the Law of Moses, and that which is associated with Jesus Christ, who's the mediator of the New Testament. And uh, in the old system, priests offered, even on a daily basis, with regard to some of the things, sacrifices, uh, including, for example, various animals and other things that were offered as sacrifices to God. But that was on an ongoing basis. When Jesus came, the very Son of God, lived a perfect life, then his death upon the cross was accomplished one time and was only needed one time. He doesn't need to come back at some future time and be offered again. So this text in Hebrews 10, verse 12, says this man, referring to Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he only needed to do that one time. Sat down on the right hand of God. Now, with regard to his sacrifice then, it was offered only one time, and that was sufficient. But now, so far as the application to those who have sinned, all people do not receive upon the death of Christ forgiveness of all sins because that would, that would result in the universal salvation, a view that is contradictory to the Bible in many places. Uh, for example, I referred earlier to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus 
talked about the fact that there are two ways. There's a broad way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. But there's also uh, a narrow Tommy, way. Huh? So, sorry, just one. Just can I just clarify? I'm so sorry sure. to cut you. Sure. Um, I just want to clarify. So he forgives the sin of those who believe the gospel, First Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, that Christ came, died, buried, and was resurrected. And people who are putting their faith and trust in him alone for salvation, they, they get everlasting life, just like John three sixteen. So I'm, I'm not talking for the whole world. I'm talking for people who have put their faith and trust in Christ as Savior. Okay, Aren't I'll be glad. all their sins forgiven? Sorry. Yes, I'll be glad to address uh, that, and probably more fully, uh, a little bit later on here in some other passages. Uh, but one of the points I wanted to make was that uh, people sometimes teach, as you may believe and perhaps suggested by what you were just saying, that one receives that forgiveness at the point of faith. The Bible does not teach that. It does teach that faith is necessary, but one doesn't get in to Christ where all spiritual blessings are at the point of belief. Um, if it's all right, uh, Pat, I'll, I'll address probably a, a later point at this time. Uh, in Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to those whom he called children of God, and he said, you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So here are people that certainly had believed, but that's not where it ended, and that's not where they entered into Christ, where all spiritual blessings are. Because Paul said that you were baptized into Christ. So they had believed, they had repented of their sins. You know, they had to meet those prerequisite conditions to baptism. But it was not until they were baptized into Christ that they actually entered Christ, where all spiritual blessings are. Uh, so the idea that one at the point of faith receives forgiveness of all sins is not true. Uh, that can be shown, and I imagine on other programs, Pat has probably addressed this, but for example, uh, in James chapter 2, he said that one is justified by faith only is false, that one is justified by works, that is, obedience to God's commands, not by faith only. And, and so it's not at the point of faith or by faith only that one receives forgiveness. On the, uh, in the case of Acts chapter 8 and Philip's teaching the Ethiopian as they traveled along, uh, Philip preached Jesus to him, and they came to a certain body of water. And the Ethiopian asked the question, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. In other words, in order to be scripturally baptized, one must be a believer. So, Tommy, and so, one, yes. 
Sorry, one last question. I really don't want to take up the line any longer because other people might be wanting to call. So in Ephesians, right? Ephesians chapter one thirteen, we're talking. We're, we're, uh, no, chapter one thirteen. Oh, okay. Um, or you can start from twelve, where the people they trusted in Christ. In thirteen, it says that they also trusted, and after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, in whom also. After that, ye believed, and ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So right. let, me, people... let me comment on the fact that you said you're emphasizing after they believe. Well, it is after one believes. But that after period, after belief, must include baptism. Because Paul said, as we read in Galatians 3.27, we're baptized into Christ. So at the point one has believed but has not proceeded further, for example, in being baptized scripturally, one is not in Christ. One is not in Christ, according to Paul, so, until one has been baptized into Christ. Um, are you, so is there such a thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit? That, that's a totally different subject. There, there was such uh, a thing. And hey, in the Ed, Bible. Ed. We need only Tommy to be talking at this time, if you know what I mean. All right, so, um, anyway, yes, there's such a thing as Holy Spirit baptism, uh, but that's not what we're talking about at all in this context. Uh, Holy Spirit baptism uh, could be dealt with far more extensively than what we have in the time available uh, in this program. Um, but I, I'm pretty confident that Pat has or will be dealing with Holy Spirit baptism somewhere along the way. Uh, and the fact that uh, who received that and who was given the promise of that, according to what we read in Acts chapter 1, included the apostles. They were the ones promised Holy Spirit baptism. But that was not the baptism of Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. That is water baptism by the authority of Christ. While we're, I need to do a little advertising here just for a moment. I live in Alabama. This is Pat on the air now. But I have a debate coming up in Pennsylvania in late August. And also I'm preaching a gospel meeting slash revival. So if anybody's out there and lives in that area of the country, I'd love to meet you. August 22nd through 25th, I'm doing the gospel meeting slash revival in the Pittsburgh area. And then August 26th through 27th, I'm doing the debate on what saved, always saved, an infant baptism in the Lancaster, Pennsylvania area. You can go to my website, BibleCrossFire.com, and find out more information. The dates, again, the time, the location, the address, and everything. BibleCrossFire.com and find out more information about the gospel meeting that I'm preaching and the debate coming up in late August. Another thing you can do at BibleCrossFire.com is click on uh, uh, an icon so that you can send me a question or comment anytime throughout the week so we can talk about the Bible throughout the week. Uh, or you can uh, also click if you would like a face-to-face -face Bible study with someone like me in your area or a free Bible correspondence course done online for free. All of those things are available to you at BibleCrossFire.com. Tommy, 
We've been talking about Ephesians 1-3 and about being in Christ. I want you to contrast for me. I know a lot of people talk about how to get into Christ, and the Bible tells us how to get into Christ. Tell us what people say about how to get into Christ and compare that to with what the Bible says about how you get into Christ. Because you've already pointed out, all the spiritual blessings are in Christ, so we better make sure we're in Christ. How do you get into Christ, Tommy? All right. Uh, you know, I might come up with a theory that uh, one gets into Christ by going out and climbing a tree or by walking 100 yards down the road or any any one of, you know, no telling how many different possibilities people might come up with. But all of those would be speculative and false because we've already shown by going to the Bible I've only given one passage on this so far Galatians 3 verse 27 tells us that for one who has believed as we must do in order to please God one must be baptized into Christ uh, we're not we're not saved and we don't, don't receive access to the spiritual blessings that are in Christ until we get into Christ. But we get into Christ when we're baptized into Christ. We don't have that the point of faith. I was in the midst of uh, mentioning, we don't have much time to do this, I see, but um, there are many passages that show believers who were not saved. And I uh, referred to one passage in James chapter 2, there's another one in James 2, verse 19, where it says the devils, or demons, some translations say, believe and tremble. So here were demons who believed, but they certainly were not saved, because their belief was not accompanied by the necessary obedience to God's commands. Uh, we find in uh, Jesus' interactions with his contemporaries while he was on the earth, there were those, according to uh, John's record, who believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they, they were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. They loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Well, they certainly were not saved, even though they believed, because... They refuse to act on that belief and confess Christ, for example. So people have ideas. A very common one is that we have all spiritual blessings and we're in Christ at the moment we believe. But the Bible does not teach that. We learn about some unsaved believers when we study carefully the Word of God. Uh, I've already given Galatians 3.27. Let me mention Romans 6, verses 3 and 4, which also says that we are baptized into Jesus Christ, baptized into his death. How do we get into Christ? Those two statements make it clear that baptism in water is necessary in obedient, obedience to the Lord's instructions. We must be baptized into Christ. Now, in order for that to be beneficial, we must have believed. We must turn from our sins. We must be willing to do what those in John 12 refused to do, confess Jesus. We must do those things, but we're baptized into Christ. So there are false theories that abound, uh, but we must go by what the Bible says because it's God who grants the spiritual blessings. And he has said that those are available in Christ, not outside of Christ. 
I don't know if we have time, but let's try to take this question from Corey. Corey? Yes. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Make right. it quick. It's, uh, it's, all right. Um, what's up with all the sectarianism and legalism? It seems like a lot of churches I run into as a young Christian, they basically give out the vibe, if you're not here, you're not anywhere. If you haven't been baptized with us, they don't come out and say it, but that's what they say. Thank you. Um, Tommy, would you like to respond to that? we got about 25 seconds. Well, uh, of course, I could go much longer than that. But uh, just briefly, in Ephesians chapter 1, 22 and 23, we're told that Jesus is head of the church, which is his body. His body is the church, that is, his spiritual body. Ephesians 4 verse 4 says there's one body. So there's one church of which Jesus is head. And Ephesians 5.23 says he is the Savior of the body, that is, his church. <laughs>